This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. So, I want to know, are you in the twilight zone? What do you think of when you think of the twilight zone? Do, 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 do. <laughs> Rod Sterling, was that his? Listen, I'm dating everything, yeah, way back when. I used to like those things. Not so much anymore, but pretty fascinating. Well, think about twilight. You think about it's not dark and it's not light, is it? It's kind of, you, you're kind of in the dark, but there is a measure of light. So there are some things you can see, but typically you don't see them clearly. And a lot of things are obscured. So let me make this statement to you. In the darkness, in the twilight, your victory is obscured. Now, what does it mean to be obscured? It means to be vague. It means to be not clear, can't see or hope uh, in the possibility, possibility that something will change. Um, it's hard to perceive. It's indistinct to the sight or any senses. Indistinct. Think of that when you're thinking of healing, because what you want is very distinct. It's not indistinct, all right? It's not, um, uh, it's not easily seen, and it's faint, and there's little or no, what do I want to say? There's little or no, let me, let me step back on that one, because I want to make another point. Okay, so what we want to do today is identify where you're at. Has anybody ever been in the twilight before? Now, I think that you can be in light in many areas of your life, and you can be in the twilight in other areas, or you can be in completely in the dark. You know, have you ever talked to somebody, and you go up and you say something to them, and it's like, there's nothing. They're not going to receive anything. They are just closed to anything and everything you have to say. You know, you go and talk to them about healing, and, and it's like, well, you don't understand. That ran in my family, and my great-great-great-granddaddy had this, and my granddaddy had this, and my dad had this, and, you know, in fact, they, you know, departed when they were 40, and I'm going to be 40 soon, and they already have it planned. They have seen something specifically for them and grabbed a hold of it, and they're in the darkness and holding on to the darkness and refusing to see anything in the light. So let's go to uh, Psalms, let's see, where do I want to start? Um, Psalms 119, 130. Let's start right there. 119, 130. Remember, 119 is the longest one, so you got. So it says, the entrance of thy words gives light. It gives understanding unto the simple. So, if you're in the twilight today, there is a way out. We don't ever want to be in the twilight. We want to be in light. You know, we, when we talk about indecision and things, a lot of times you're in the twilight when you're in indecision. All these things are coming and bombarding you. You're getting test results that don't agree. You don't want to hear them. Your body is telling you stuff. And the Word of God says in Psalms 107.20, by his stripes, I was healed. Excuse me. It doesn't say that in Psalms 107.20, does it? <laughs> it says he sent his word. 
and healed me and delivered me of all my destruction. So he sent his word. Now, we look at the word of God and the word of God is truth. I want to remind you that we work. We work hard at one thing. You know what that one thing is? To enter into his rest. In order to enter into his rest, we have to be in the light. We can't be in twilight. You can think of twilight a lot of times as indecision because you can't, you can't make a solid decision. And you can also look at it this way. If you are not doing the things of God, you are not going to get God's results, which by default means you're doing the things of the enemy. So what's the enemy saying? The enemy saying, well, you know, you don't really need to do that. And, you know, I know they think that way, but how is that important to you? You don't really need to confess any scriptures. You know them in your mind. Well, I want to just challenge you today and go back in your thinking and think about something that you know very, very, very well that you are not doing. Think about it. We all know, let's take eating because it all affects us because we have to do it in order to live, all right? We all know that what is good and what is not good to eat. But what do we say? Yeah, but. And, you know, at Thanksgiving, we think, how do we respond at Thanksgiving? Ooh, I get to eat this, I get to eat this. Oh, and they got this pie and they got that. And the, ooh, grandma's making this and mama's making this. And ooh, I'm going to make this. And... What typically happens, most people, not all, but most people stuff themselves and then they go back and they eat a little bit more. What is that called in the Word of God? Gluttony. Have you ever looked through the scriptures to see what gluttony does and who it's associated with? The glutton and the drunkard are always together. And you know what? Their end is not good. So what makes us think that we can do a lot of what God says and then do a little of what we say and then we get God's results? It doesn't work that way. Now, let's, you know, everybody knows there's grace, great grace. We have great grace and great forgiveness. And God loves us no matter what we do. So we're going to assume we all know that well. But in order to get... Now, I'm going to say, especially in this day and age, if you have been diagnosed with something that they say there is no cure for, there is no, there is no, um, there is no halfway uh, measure where that's concerned. If you want what God says belongs to you, then you have to do the things of God. There's just not any way. And, you know, that partial thinking where you're going to try to please somebody else, and you're going to try to be part of the world, and you're not going to separate yourself to get that one thing that we're required to do. And that one thing that we're required to do, we work to enter into his rest. And that's in Hebrews 4. We'll go to that later. That's the only thing we do. Now, in Revelation, it talks about, uh, he says, I, I wish you were um, cold or hot, but those that are lukewarm, he's going to spit out. I heard this preached. I have not studied it myself, so I can't say, but I'm going to tell you what I heard preached. He was talking about grace and works in that, is what this preacher says, that trying to intermingle grace and works makes you lukewarm, where you're not hot and you're not cold. And 
Think about what God says about works, that our works are what? It's filthy rags. They don't, well, why? You think, well, I, I want to do a good work. I want to do, well, he's not talking about that. He is talking about earning. You can't earn your healing. So what is it all about? Well, confession and all that kind of stuff. And, well, here's the thing, is that in order to believe somebody, you have to trust somebody. I think it's, um, um, uh, was it E.W. Kenyon that said this? Or um, uh, F.F. Bodsworth, I believe is where it started from, is that the faith begins where the will of God is known. That means healing begins where the will of God is known. If you don't trust somebody, well, let me ask you this. If you don't know somebody, do you trust them? No. And if you do, it's very, very little. When push comes to shove and somebody challenges you, you'll back off because you have no level of trust in that person, right? Well, if you don't know what the Word of God says, and you don't spend time with the Father, how much trust do you have? It's very little. So when the report comes that says, okay, well, uh, I hate to inform you of this, but we have found X, Y, Z in your body, and, you know, people always ask, well, how long do I have? As if that person can tell you that. But we want to get a time frame of what we're looking at. And so that person will say, well, you know, X amount. And if that person exceeds that X amount, they think they've done well. Well, that's not the whole, that is not the whole pie here. The thing should be, well, I know what God says about it. And God said he sent his word and he healed me and he delivered me from this. God did not give this to me. The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. God comes that you have life and have it more abundantly. You have to know something about your enemy. And in today's world, not many people know anything about the enemy because they're either in darkness or they're in twilight. Many church people don't know anything about the enemy. And, you know, if you ever study any generals, they know their enemies. Now, as well as you know your enemy, you ought to know your God so much better. So you remember when Jesus was tempted? What did he use to defeat the enemy? Just the word of God. When I say just the word of God, I'm not minimizing it. But he used what is available to you and I. That's what he used. So he used the word of God. And remember, Satan came after him and had some of the word twisted, didn't he? And yet Jesus used the word of God and took over the twisted. So that tells me something in the life of Jesus where if we are supposed to be as he is, so are we, then we need to know enough about the word of God when the enemy comes and says, yeah, but your grandma had this, and yeah, but you're getting older, and yeah, but, and yeah, but, and then you stop and you pause. When you stop and pause, you go into the twilight. That area where you allow the enemy to talk to you, and you allow God to talk to you. So, now listen, I can take it home to every single one of us. All you have to do is think about something this week that didn't go the way that you thought it ought to go. Did you acquiesce and go the enemy's way? Or did you stand and take your faith stand and use your faith? 
I heard the other day so clearly, I can tell you just so clearly, above all, taking the shield of faith. I heard that as if somebody was talking to me. And I stopped and I was meditating that scripture and I thought, well, what does that mean? So I'm asking people, what does that mean to you? I'm just meditating when I'm asking. I'm not looking for that opinion so I can adapt that opinion, but I'm trying to get a wider view of what that means. And he said, above all, above all, above all. That means to me, it doesn't matter what else you've done that's important. There is one other step that you need to do, and that is above all, taking. Now, it's not took. It's not take, and it's not going to take. It's taking. What does that say to you? That means it's something you're doing all the time. You're taking. You're, it, you can never, if you're in the past, you're wrong. If you're in the future, you're wrong. It's not going to take it. It's taking. It's not even take. It's an action thing. It's taking the shield of faith. So, what is the shield of faith? It is a good question. The Word of God? The Word of God out of your mouth? It's part of the armor. You take the shoes of the gospel, the girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God praying. That's your prayer life. That's your prayer life. The shield of faith, it says, quenches some of the fiery darts of the wicked. Oh, it doesn't say some, does it? It says it quenches all of the fiery darts of the world. Is sickness and disease a fiery dart of the wicked? Yeah, you've got to know where it comes. If you don't know that God is not the author of the sickness and disease that has pounced on your body, you will never resist it. And I'm here to tell you, I don't know about you, but I can only talk about me. Sometimes symptoms will come and I don't want to do what's necessary to get rid of them. Now, I want to tell you, it's so much easier to take a stand and do it then than it is to let it fester for a little while. Because when you let it fester for a little while, you think, I won't deal with it. it. It irritates you for a while and then kind of goes away. And then it comes back a little bit more and then it goes away. It comes back a little bit more. Well, I got to tell you something. If you dealt with the little mound that you got, you wouldn't be dealing with the big mound. That's what I tell myself when I look in the mirror. Well, listen, it's your fault. You didn't get after it. How, do, how would you get after it? Take the word of God. Put up your shield of faith and you take the word of God and you stick it to the devil. Now, that's not the purpose to stick it to the devil. What you're doing is God said, put me in remembrance of my word. What is that all about? You think God forgot? No, God didn't forget anything. Who is that helping? That's exactly it. He is saying, you put me in remembrance because you, in order for you to put him in remembrance of his word, it has got to flow out of you. Now, think, it like, think of it like this. Here's God. God sent his word, right? 
And also, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But he sent his word in the olden times. He did it by the prophets. They professed something. So in order for it not to return void, somebody had to pick it up and send it back. That's how it doesn't return void in your life is that you pick up the word of God and you're speaking the word of God. We have to be readily, readily after what God says. We have, if you are not allowing the word of God to change you, you are allowing the world to change you. There is no sitting in the canoe and going nowhere. You are, if you're not paddling, you're going to go wherever the stream takes you. And I, have, I can tell you that path does not lead to life abundantly. It doesn't lead to a full life. It leads to a short life. It leads to a miserable life. Sometimes it leads to other things. You know, there's a way that seems right. There is a way that seems right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways. W-A-Y-S, plural, ways to death or of death. I forget the last one there. So when we're in the twilight, meaning we have a little light. When's the last time you had pizza and you just nibbled at it? Never. <laughs> that would be me too. Never. I mean, who nibbles at a pizza? You're getting a pizza, you're enjoying it. So why do we nibble at the word of God? and think it's going to be enough nourishment to push out everything else. And so, you know, you'll hear many preachers that, that talk about just um, um, Kenneth Copeland lately, and you can see just a distinct difference in him over the last two years. He has immersed himself in the Word of God, and it has produced. Jerry Savelle, look at that man had a stroke. He didn't know his family. And within two months... There is no evidence of that stroke in his body. They didn't know what he would ever be able to do. He was paralyzed, uh, paralyzed on one side. He couldn't, when he got home, he couldn't start his motor collection. He didn't know how to start it. And two months later, you know, but he made a decision during that time. He said, I'm not leaving this garage until I start every single one of these. And he didn't have somebody start them for him. Now, I don't know what that trigger is for each one of us because I think it's different for all of us. But there is a decision that needs to be made, and the decision is I'm going to do it God's way because I'm going to get God's results. I'm going to do it God's way. And if you're in a battle today for life and death or for you know, a part of your body that they want to take away, you know, years ago, I'm going to tell you this because God was reminded me of it uh, recently, is I had a tooth that was just giving me so much pain. And um, I just, for whatever reason, I didn't want it pulled. I want all my teeth until I'm pushing up daisies. That's what I've told God, you know. So anyway, I'm going through the process, and I'm in so much pain. I just can't hardly work. And, and uh, so I finally make this appointment, because I've been to the dentist several times, and he tells me the only thing you can do is have it extracted. There's nothing else you can do, blah, 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 blah. And so I remember where I was, what I was doing, and it is almost 5 o'clock the night before my surgery in the next morning. And my, um, uh, my pastor at that time called me, 
And he got me at work and he said, I'll tell you what. He said, I have been praying for you the last couple of days and God told me to call you. You know what? I don't know what he said in the process. He didn't know anything about the tooth. He didn't know what was going on. But remember, inside, I don't want my tooth pulled. I don't want my tooth pulled. I mean, I want all my teeth until I'm pushing up daisy. That's what I'm telling God. And so I knew to me it was confirmation to cancel that appointment, which I did. And subsequently, I went down to UT, uh, the, medical, the dental school, and um, um, I got this um, young man who was in the school, and, um, you know, in the beginning, you're slow at things. You know how it goes, and he, he stopped what he was doing one day. He said, Mrs. Rook, he said, if this doesn't go faster, I'm going to starve to death on the outside. And I remember thinking, and then the next time I saw him, he was like up to speed and doing. But they found three roots in my, teeth, my, my, my tooth. And so they ended up taking care of it that way, but I ended up keeping my tooth. Because I just hung on to God, telling him what I want, what I was believing for. He sent somebody to me. You know, sometimes you think, well, why didn't he do it earlier? I don't know. I don't care. My tooth was saved. I was happy you know, to go through that. God has got that answer for you. I want to encourage you today. It doesn't matter what the prognosis looks like. You know, God has got the answer. I ran into some day, one guy one day that, um, um, that in a meeting not very long ago that um, God had filled all the teeth with gold. That where cavities were, he filled them with gold. Another meeting not too long ago, everybody walked out and um, everybody had a tank full of gas. Another meeting not very long ago, um, God told the pastor that, um, open your wallet and look, there's $20 bills. And, um, and they knew, and I thought, well, how do you know? I wouldn't even know what's in there or whatever, you know, and how do you know it was from God? And she said they were crisp, $20, never used. And one guy had a 50 that he found in his wallet. And so she said, keep looking, just keep looking. And then the next Sunday, I guess, some more 20s showed up. Or during the week, some 20s showed up. And, you know, so the, my thought is, you know, well, and she said, no, they were crisp. They were brand new 20s. So what can you believe for this morning? In the twilight zone, you won't get anything because you don't know the will of God. You haven't spent any time with them. You don't know the word of God. And the word, the faith begins where the word of God is known. If you don't trust somebody, you won't take their word for anything. If you don't spend time with them, you will never develop a trust. So the trust comes in spending time. Now, people know God. People know God, but they don't know Father you know, Abba, Daddy. You ever just sat in his lap and said, Dad, help me. There is a difference. You know, when you, when you went to your earthly father, you know, you knew when the father, you knew when he was stern, and you know when you could just go up and say, Dad, can you, you know... And God never leaves us. God never forsakes us. He's always for us. He's never against us. And with that in mind, we should always be for God. Now, we have an enemy. What does the enemy do? He comes to steal the word from you. That's the bottom line. So you have to have light. So walking in light, you either walk in light, you walk in darkness, or there's a twilight is the bottom line. The only thing that will get you what God says belongs to you is in the light. 
The rest of it, you know, twilight's often a miserable time. It's because a time where you're being afflicted, but you don't want to do anything about it. Do you know anybody like that? Some days I can relate. It's like, yeah, I know, but I don't want to do nothing. Have y'all not ever been there? Oh, my goodness. I have some talks with myself that just, I'm thinking, who are you? What did you do with the woman? Because I don't like this one. You know, we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Get yourself a prayer buddy. You got a journey to walk? Get yourself a prayer buddy. Get somebody that will encourage you, not discourage you, but they will hold you accountable. And they will encourage inside. They will beef you up and get you out of the twilight. In order to step out of the twilight, you have to make a decision. To step out of the darkness, you have to make a decision. I like what somebody says. If you're in a hole and it's really bad and you want out, quit digging. It seems like such a hard thing, but how many people do you know that are sick, they're depressed, life is miserable, and you know the only thing they do is talk about how sick and depressed and miserable they are? Are they any delight to be around? No. And you think, well, I'll go bring some light and I'll encourage them. How long do you last? See, the light, in, the, the light is supposed to just shut out the darkness. And yet... Is there enough light in us that's shining to shut out the darkness, to dispel the sickness and disease, to get gone what God says he didn't put in there? Everything. You know, I tell my body, everything God did not plant, I pluck you out in the name of Jesus. Anything that is not of God has no right, has no right to have residence inside of me. And I resist you and I command you to go. Now, I heard about this woman the other day and she was... um, she was believing God for eyesight. And so she had somebody pray with her and agree with her, and, and she said nothing changed. And so here's what the preacher told her. Every day you say, thank you, Lord. I received my eyesight. And whatever you want to say, it's 2015, whatever you want to say after that. But thank you, Lord, I've received my eyesight, that I am healed. And she said, if there was any difference in six months, I couldn't see it. Just wasn't working. It looked like. But she said, I kept saying, I kept saying, I kept saying. Now, in, you can say things without believing anything, and what power do you have? So you have to choose your choice to believe that what God says about you is true and then say it hooks up with the power of God, and the power of God is changing and changing and changing. One morning she woke up, perfect eyesight. See, it looked like nothing was happening. But what what we really do when we do that is we we go into the spiritual realm and we go grab a hold of what we need. These eyes, ears, nose, all the senses don't see because it's Satan's territory. But we go into what is truth. Truth will always override the facts. The fact of the matter may be that you've got a report that today this, 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 is, this is wrong and it will never be right again. The truth of the matter is God sent his word that Jesus paid the price and it's all on the cross. He took it. He's not going back to the cross. And if he paid the price, who do you think you are to try and pay it again? So something's wrong with that. And it's the enemy trying to tax you. He's trying to put a tax on you that you don't owe. Why do you want to pay it? Well, it's just easier. Well, is it? 
I mean, is it worth your life? Is it worth... Satan comes knowingly. He doesn't even come unless he can steal, kill, or destroy. Now, he's not going to come today and say, well, I'll tell you what, you're going to die today because you're going to say, I am not. Get away. What is your problem? Most people would say that anyway. But you might have a little pain somewhere that your grandma had and your grandpa had and so-and-so had and it runs in your family and took out some people in your family. And then all of a sudden he's going to say, you know, that runs in your family. You better have that checked out. You better do such and such. And then what you think about, you, you meditate on. What you meditate on, you start talking about. What you start talking about, you act out. And then you get results. All right? So you start thinking about, well, maybe that is. You know, maybe that is something. And then he, he brings another one. He said, yeah, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so had that, and they didn't recover, and they had to do all this all their life. And, and so you start thinking about it, and then you're meditating more on the lies of the devil. And you've completely discounted what God said. Now, if we could really see the magnitude and the weight of what Satan says, remember the Bible says we're going to look at him and say, that? is what has deceived us. I don't want to get there and know that I missed out on so much. You know, I was thinking on the way over here, think about somebody you know that is very successful. You know, it could be an athlete, it could be a, a you know, so-called star, it could be, for me, I would probably look at somebody like Kenneth Copeland or... Jesse Duplantis, I like Jesse's Duplantis' mind, his business mind is so fabulous along with his spiritual things. And so there's things I admire. But now, let's say that you don't know these people, but you know them from afar. Do you have any expectation that they're going to help you out if you get in a hard time? No, because you don't know them. They don't know you. What are they going to do for you? But now, let's say that they're your best friend, you grew up with them. And you get into a hard time. And you go and you say, hey, so-and-so, will you help me? You know they have the means, you know they have the ability, you know they have the heart because they're your friend to help you out of any jam. Do you have a, a level of confidence now that they would help you out? All right, take that to God. Where are you? Do you know of God? Or is God your dad? Is he your father? Is he your healer? Is he Jehovah Rapha? Is he your provider? Is he an ever-present help in time of need? Or you just know about him? Now, if you just know about him, you won't be able to access that connection. You might get a little something. But when you know him and you know what he said, there's no twilight zone. It's like God said this. This is what I believe. So it takes a decision to believe God and take God in his word. You have to make that quality decision in order to do that. Now remember, Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the evidence of things not Title deed, think title deed. The car, you have a car, right? You're driving your car. How do I know you own it? You have the title deed. Well, do you have the title deed with you necessarily? No. 
You're foolish if you keep in your glove box because somebody could steal it and then they own your car. Um, but there is a title deed, and so when somebody says, you, you, I, I want proof that you own it, having the car in your possession is not the proof. The title deed is the proof. So I want to tell you that faith is the proof. What is faith? Faith is now. What is faith? It's believing that God will do for you what he said in his word he will do and taking it for you, not afar off, not once removed. So when you make a decision, the entrance of his word brings light. So let's look at uh, Matthew, let's see, where do I want to go with that? Psalms 119, 132. Let's go to Matthew 13, 15 and look at that real quick. 13, 15, Matthew 13, 15. Because I want to show you something here. For this people's heart is wax gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes, who's closed? They have closed. And their eyes, they have closed. Least at any time, any time. When is any time? Right now. Anytime. They should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Okay, whose choice is this here? Is it God's? No. So who closed their eyes? Who closed their ears? They did. Whose choice was that? Theirs. Will God make them open their eyes and make them open their ears? All right. So is it God's will that everybody be saved? It is, because his word says it is, right? Everybody. Is it God's will that everybody be healed? Well, does he have some that he doesn't want to have healed? Are you sure? How do you know that? The word says so, right? The word says. That's the proof that you have. Where in the scriptures did Jesus ever tell anybody, well, you've been bad. You have to take a dose of A, B, C, and D. You better keep that sickness and disease because, you know, I don't, you don't really know me and I don't really know you, so, you know, you're going to have to have it. No, he never. You know, when they came up and said, you can, you can heal me if you want, he says, I will be whole. You know, all he did was please the Father. And so if sickness and disease was from God, then Jesus didn't please the Father. And that would make the Bible untrue because it said he perfectly pleased the Father. So when you know that any sickness, any disease is not of God, it is from the enemy, guess what? You have a right to stand. If you don't know that, you have to go back to the scripture and look at everything until you know that you know that you know that all sickness and disease comes as part of stealing, killing, and destroying. Now, if you, have any, if you need any more verification of that, just go to Genesis. Because in the garden, before Adam sinned, was there any sickness or disease? No, none. So when sin entered in, death by sin, which means sickness and disease is a vehicle of death. All right, slow or fast. So for the, the people decided, they closed their eyes and they closed their ears, but at any time, any time, they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. That tells you something about being in the light. The light is the word being in the light. Without the light, you can't see. You have no expectation of healing. Without God, there is nothing. You know, natural man takes it so far. But even surgeons will tell you, when they stitch somebody up, they can stitch them up. They can't heal them. 
It's a miracle of God that that skin grows back together. Isn't that just like God? I think that's so wonderful. So you make a decision. You realize the entrance of his word brings light. You have to take some action. Do you know that you can have all the head knowledge in the world? I got a lot of head knowledge in a couple areas. I think I'm fairly knowledgeable in a few things. And yet, there's a few things in my life that no action has been taken on. Why? Because head knowledge alone is not going to get you where you want to go. You know, faith without works is dead. You can have all the faith in the world, but truly, you don't have real Bible faith unless you have works. Well, what does that mean where sickness and disease is concerned? Well, what happens with that is when you get the word in you so full, the word comes out. The word comes out. Whose report do you believe? When you get a bad report, you're not necessarily going to argue with the doctor. But I had somebody tell me the other day that um, 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 this person was in a bad state and several things happened after that that put them in a worse state. And then the prognosis came that um, um, there's almost no hope left. And um, when I talked to this person, here's what I heard. said, well, I told them this. said, I appreciate everything you've done. I do appreciate it. And she's, he's, uh, this person said, uh, but I'll tell you what, God has the last say here, and I believe God. And I thought, oh, wow, in the midst of this, there was no twilight. There was no darkness. What she had planted in her rose up. And faith then produced an action. And that action was declaring that I understand what you're saying. I'm not arguing with you. I'm not going to. See, when we argue with people about it or we deny, a lot of people say, well, you, you know, maybe they have a broken leg or whatever. And they say, well, I don't have a broken leg. I don't have a broken leg. I, there's nowhere in the scriptures that Jesus went up to somebody and said, you don't have a broken leg. You don't have a broken. He never did that. What he did was he took the word of God and used the word of God on the circumstances. That's all he did. That's what we're to do. So when faith gets in you so big, then it comes out of you. And it says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So out of the abundance, out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. What do you have in there in abundance? Ever want to find out? You know, hit your head on a cabinet door or whatever. Whatever is in abundance comes out. Get a moment. You know, they say at the point of an accident that your, your, your brain actually quits and whatever in your spirit takes over. I've had that happen. You know, different things. It's, it's amazing how that works. So whatever you plant in there, whatever you plant, are you planting healing in there or are you planting doubt and unbelief? Or are you preparing? I knew somebody not so long ago that was diagnosed with something horrible and, and um, um, with the mouth was, oh, by him stripes I'm healed. Behind the scenes, they were all planning the funeral. Double-minded man, we can look at that in James. Let's go to James 1. What it says about a double-minded man? Yeah, we can think of double-minded as dual-minded. I rustle my old pages here. Look at this. 
James, a servant of God and of the twelve, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation, various temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience or employs patience. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect. That word perfect means mature, mature and entire, wanting nothing. Now remember in Psalms, 1, um, Psalms 123, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not need. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What are needs? Very basic things. When you're down to nothing, you don't care nothing about wants, do you? All you want is your needs to be met. I need food. I need clothing. I need shelter. Your needs. So what does that tell you? If you aren't to wants, are all your needs taken care of? The Lord is my shepherd. You know, they use that so many times when somebody's departing. But he said, he'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Is that in heaven? No. That's here on earth. So, if he says, I shall not want, okay, back to James. <clears throat> if any of you lack wisdom, does anybody lack wisdom? You know, every day, Lord, thank you for your wisdom. So, what does he say to do? This is, this is the prescription, how you get wisdom. And we get godly wisdom, not earthly man wisdom. He said, if you lack wisdom, ask God. And look what he says. He giveth to all liberally. That means he doesn't parse it out one bean at a time. Liberally. So, and it shall be given him. So when you ask for wisdom, when do you get it? If you ask for wisdom, when do you get it? When? When do you receive it? When? Right now. So whenever you decide to take it, have you ever heard anybody, well, I've been praying for wisdom, I've been praying for wisdom, I've been praying, well, did you get it yet? No, I'm waiting. No, no, Mark 11, 23 and 24, what things soever you desire says, when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have. So if you were begging me for this folder and I handed it to you and you wouldn't take it, it's not because the giver hasn't been willing to give. It's because something's wrong with the receiving. So what I always tell myself to train myself is, I believe I receive everything I've asked for at the amen, and then I take it at the amen. So if you're believing for healing today, at the amen is when I say just grab it. So if, I'm, if somebody's going to pray for me about something, before I go, I purpose in my heart, and I, sometimes I don't even care how they pray as long as I know that they're, um, as long as I know they pray according to the will of God. Now, if they don't pray according to the will of God, I'm not saying amen, because amen means so be it. But I've already purposed in my heart what I need and what I want. And so what I tell the team all the time is when you get ready to pray, when you get ready to release your faith, pray what you want. When you release your faith, faith, touch somebody. Wait till you get ready to, because it's all it is is a point of contact. And it sinks in here so that you can grab a hold of it here, that you have released it, you've taken it, whichever side you're on. But you take it at the amen. So when you pray for wisdom, 
You believe that you receive it, and you'll have it. So you take it at the amen, I receive it. Well, nothing's changed. I don't feel any difference. And that has to do with what? What difference does it make if you feel any different? What difference does it make if you can't perceive anything's changed? In the spirit realm, it's all changed. Now, will you be faithful to believe God and walk it out until you see it with these eyes? See, he said, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, we, we, we a lot of times will say, well, I'm resisting the devil, I'm resisting the devil. Have you submitted to God? Well, I just haven't had time to get in the word. There's a whole lot more than, do you think that you can outfight the devil without the weapons that God has given you? How long do you think he lasts? He's been around for a few more years than you have, hasn't he? He's got all sorts of things he knows about us, but he's not God. He's not omnipresent. He's not omnipotent, although some in the church like to elevate him to this standpoint. He has got a hierarchy. I think this is just phenomenal to look at this. There is only one devil, one head devil. Let's put it that way. There's only one Satan. Can I put it that way? And he's got a bunch of mid-level and lower level and, and grunts. Now, think if you were the head of that organization and one of the grunts had to come and tell you, well, we lost another one because they called on Jesus. As the head of that organization, that man, what do you think you'd be doing? Don't you think you'd be frustrated with them? What do you mean you lost another one? We got to do this, you know. Can you imagine how frustrated he gets them? And so we think the devil's really after us. We're in truth. He's not. He can only be in one place at one time. He can't be everywhere. He's not God. We give him much more credit than what he deserves. So if you take all that focus off and you put it on God and the things of God and what God said to do, and you just build up your spirit and you just build up your spirit, how you do it? CDs, uh, uh, you know, DVDs, listening to the word of God, speaking the word of God, reading the word of God. Build up your faith, build up your faith. And so he said, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. He'll give it to you liberally. He won't even scold you for asking it, but you need to ask in faith. That means you need to believe that you receive it when you ask for it, without wavering. For he that wavers is like the wave of the sea. He didn't say he is a wave of the sea. He said he's like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Now, remember the last time you were at the beach? And you go in there, and the waves were high, and one came this way, and it pushed you back to shore, and then it went out back out, and it pushed you back, and then it pulled you back, and you see somebody else is dragging along. That's how he describes a double-minded man. Notice that man has no solid ground to stand on, and every time the next wave of a bad report comes, he's over here. Oh, yeah, I believe God. And then the next one, oh, I believe God. Oh, no, look at this hurts. And he's tossed to and fro. And look what it says. For let not that man, that dual-minded, that double-minded, that wouldn't take a stand, think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. For a double-minded or a dual-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's why it's so important that you make a decision. You have no word, you have no light. You have no power operating in you. Now, I have to remind myself sometimes when, when I um, fail to live up to my expectations of what I think I ought to be doing 
that God is so gracious and he's so forgiving and he holds ought against you. He said, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed your transgressions and he remembers them no more. And if we remember them, then we're doing something that we shouldn't be doing because God said he does not remember them. And if he doesn't, what gives us the right to do it? Now, I understand that's easier said than done because when you mess up, especially when you mess up big, it comes back and live in color when you least expect it. The devil brings it back and he wants to, but you have to be practiced. Just be practiced in acknowledging God and, and what he said. And when you know what he says, it's quicker to get rid of it and quicker to get back on course. So another word, uh, the other things you can do is you do your confession. Now remember, confession brings possession. Confession doesn't get you healed. You can confess 150 million times. That is not what heals you. You believe God. You believe God that the word is working. You're taking a tool, which is the word of God, and the word of God is working and doing. Your faith is out doing the work. You are all you're doing where work is concerned is you're working to get the word in you so big that you believe God more than you believe any report that you've ever had. That I will not die but live and declare the works of God. I will not die. Now, I've had an opportunity to see a few people towards the end of their walk. And you don't know what happens sometimes at the end. So there's never any criticism. If you've never been in a position where the pain is so bad that you can't think, you can't move, you can't get in a comfortable position, you have no idea what that's like, then there's no way ever to come against anybody that's departed, that decided to depart. Because the stand takes a lot. You remember when Moses was out in the wilderness and he was told to hold his arms up? You know, how long can you hold your arms up? You know, they come down. And so what happened? Somebody came along and held up the arms because Moses had no more strength in them. When people are in that shape and believe in God, now some I've seen come out victorious and some I've seen depart. So they're in heaven. That's a wonderful thing. As long as they know Jesus, it's a wonderful thing. But I want to tell you this one thing. If you don't get yourself beefed up before you get into that fight, that fight is very, it, it is extremely difficult because the enemy will do everything he can to wear on you, to tell you how bad it is, and you'll never make it. It doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. If you're old, he's going to tell you, well, you know, you, you've lived a good life. I had a relative tell me, only in their 60s now, saying, well, you know I lived a good life. After I heard that three times, I went, you know, I was already going bonkers inside, but after the third time, it's kind of like, now listen to me. Do you understand what you're telling me? Here's what I'm hearing. You're, the, the enemy is coming and telling you and convincing you it's time to lay down and depart. See, but sh sh that wasn't seen. It wasn't seen. It didn't, didn't know out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Out of the abundance of the heart. You know, uh, Kenneth Copeland said this the other day. How many drops does it take to fill the glass or the cup? Who knows? It depends on how, how big it is and all that kind of stuff. How many drops does it take to overflow or to be in abundance? 
one, one. It takes all of those to fill, but one to overflow. So your job is to fill and to fill and to fill and to fill, and God will cause the overflow. One more. So you get close to the end, and maybe it's the one more drop that will overflow. And the presence of God will push out sickness and disease. So let's see. You read the time. You know, one of the important things is spending time with the Father. Now, you break the law of resistance with persistence. Do you like that? I like that. That just spoke to me. You break. I break the law of resistance. What's ever coming after me with persistence, I refuse to cave in, quit, or give up. The, the scripture says we will reap if we faint not. We will reap if we faint not. You know, sometimes that's the hardest thing. And um, so if you've been digging a hole today, and you've been talking, and you've been agreeing with what the, the, the world says, quit digging the hole and start speaking what God says. I don't care if it looks all foreign to you. It doesn't make any difference how it looks. Speak the truth. The truth will change the facts. I heard one time, and I think I shared this time before, is um, um, somebody had um, some kind of spinal, a big spinal issue, and they had their x-rays and stuff like that, and they had the x-rays actually in their Bible, and every time they would walk by, they would speak to the issue. Well, they were healed, but not only were they healed, when they pulled the x-rays out, the x-rays had changed as well. <laughs> Do you love it? That is so good. So you have to believe God that he is God and that he will do for you what he said he will do in his word. So you can believe. You know, when I first started, it was like, well, I believe God will heal you. You know, I believe God will heal pastor so-and-so. And I used to think that they just got it because they were men and women of God because they preached the word. No, you know how many pastors go home? Do you have to know it? You have to know it like you know everything else. We will go home early if we don't use the word of God. Anybody who isn't going to use the word of God. And then some people will say, well, I know somebody who did everything they were supposed to do, but they went home anywhere, anyway, so God does. So the premise is God doesn't heal everybody. Oh, really? Show me in the word where that's true. Because then that means that God's a respecter of persons. And I'm either going to believe you or I'm going to believe God. God said he's no respecter of persons. So if he did it for one, you know, what the enemy tells us is, yeah, but you're not that one. You're not special. Well, I am the God, are you? Yes, you are. Let me just help you with that one. So um, our job is not to earn. Don't mix works with grace. Let grace be grace. Receive grace. Take grace. Now, here's where, the, here's where it, it's hard because you can't receive something that you don't think you don't, you, you don't deserve. Does that make sense? When you've done something you don't measure up or you try to compare to somebody else and somebody wants to give you something good, you just, even if you take it, you just can't. There's something inside of you telling you you don't deserve it. You do not deserve it. But it's not you or me that deserves it or doesn't deserve it. We get it because Jesus deserves it. He paid for it. And if you're in Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and you're an heir? You know, most of us have wills. Does your heir deserve everything you're going to give him? 
No. Did we deserve what our heirs, I mean, what we got as an heir? No. No. We get it because we're an heir. We didn't work for it. All we did was show up with the right documents to claim what legally belongs to us. And that's what we do. We show up with the right documents, the Word of God, and we claim what legally belongs to us, and we refuse. Now listen, if somebody handed you a will, last will and testament, and said, you know, you're famous so-and-so, uh, departed for heaven, but I want you to know that he left you $100 million in this will. And you say, oh, no way. Couldn't be. He wouldn't leave it to me, you know, blah, 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 blah. You are a legal heir to $100 million, and you could be living in a camper somewhere because you will not take what was provided, the legal document provided for you, and go through the proper channel and present and demand what is legally yours. That's all God says about us. So in order to get what he has promised is you take the word of God and you just put it in, you put it in till you believe the word of God more than you believe anything else. You believe that God did this for you. Yes, even you. If nobody else receives it, it doesn't make any difference. If there's 100 people waiting to be healed and only one gets it, it's going to be you. That's the type of attitude that you have when you come to God. And you're not begging for anything. All you're doing is you're going to go, let's go to Hebrews 4, you're going to go to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. Let's go to Hebrews 4, and then we're going to close in 1 John. You know, Hebrews 11 says, Now the just shall live by faith, and without faith it's impossible to please God. So, and it says that you have to believe that God is, and that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. Are, you know, do you want rewards? I want rewards. I like rewards. So Hebrews 4, 9 says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his, God's rest, he has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of hearts. Now I'm going to just back up. Let's go to 319. 318. And, he, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not, to them that believe not. So we can see that unbelief costs you. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. If you have unbelief, the remedy is the word of God. Faith comes, faith comes, faith comes by hearing and hearing. Faith cannot not come when you hear the word of God. And you put, you know, you know, in uh, Mark it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, Matthew, excuse me, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Things. What are things? Things that you can see. You know, things shall be added unto you. But he says, Seek ye first. So in 4.16 it says, Let us therefore, well, let's go back. Um, the, the, um, the word of God in verse... 
12 says, it pierces even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and the marrow and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's why a lot of times you'll see people say, well, praise the Lord, I'm healed. Praise the Lord, I'm healed. And the outward side of them is saying what they think somebody else wants to hear, but their heart is far from God. Out of the abundance of their heart, their mouth will speak, but if it's not in there in abundance, you can parrot something and get no results. Does that make sense? So neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, that's our great high priest, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. All right? We're sending the word out. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Thank you, Jesus. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That we can obtain mercy and find grace. But do you notice he said we come boldly to the throne of grace? So let's just flip over to 1 John real quick. Now, verse 5.14 says this. And this is the confidence, the trust, the assurance that we have in God that if we ask anything, anything, what does that mean? What's excluded from anything? Nothing. If we ask anything according to his will. Now, where are you if you don't believe that healing is the will of God? Or where are you if you believe that God heals some people but won't heal, heal everybody? You're automatically in the category that he's not going to heal me because he heals some, but they have to earn, right? Well, there is nothing that we can earn at all where God is concerned. All we can do is believe that we use our faith and believe what God did, Jesus did at the cross, paid for it all, and that we have the inheritance according, you know, you look at Galatians, and we are blessed beyond measure. We're in Christ. We're Abraham's seed and heir according to the promise. What's the promise? We're blessed coming in. We're blessed going out. We're blessed in the city. We're blessed in the field. Whatsoever we set our hands to prospers. That includes healing and health and wholeness, right? So according to his will, if we believe, and if we have the confidence in him, so if we have confidence, remember, confidence doesn't come unless you're spending time with somebody. You have no trust in somebody that you don't know. And in order to know somebody, you have to spend time with them. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask. Now, what does that exclude? Nothing as long as it's in his will, right? So it includes everything in his will. So it's his will for us to be healed today. It's his will for us to be prosperous. It's his will for us to have more than enough. You know, we're supposed to be the ones that when we hear somebody's lost their job or whatever, we're supposed to be the ones that can say, well, how much is your mortgage? Let me help you. 
We're supposed to be the ones that can pick some. How can you help somebody that has a $2,000 mortgage if you can't even pay your X amount of mortgage? How is that helping anybody? It can't be just about my four and no more. We, you know, but God is wanting to get these. How can you help somebody when you've just been given a diagnosis that says, oh, you better get a wheelchair and you better plan you're never going to go out of the house again. You're going to have to have somebody help you. And how, can they, well, how is that life more abundant? Yet if the enemy can get you to believe that your time on this earth has been mostly spent and it's about time for you to depart, and that's what you believe, that's what will sink, that's what you'll talk about, and that's what you will ultimately get. So, and if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions, the desires, whatever we ask for that we desired of him. Now, let's go over to 5.4. and says, for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Are you a whatsoever? I'm a whatsoever, I'm a whosoever, right? And this is the victory that overcomes the world. My faith, your faith, our faith. Your faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Why? It's not in our power. It's not in our strength. It is that we positioned ourselves to believe God more than we'll accept any circumstances. The Word of God is bigger in us than any report that we have. We don't deny that those things exist. We just deny the right to operate in our lives. And we take the Word of God, which is truth, and we change the circumstances, which is fact. The truth will always change the facts. The facts may be that you've been diagnosed with A, B, C, and D disease. The truth is that Jesus came. He died at the cross. He paid for it all. And do you remember there was a great exchange at the cross? He became poor so that we could become rich. He was so marred that his body was not recognizable as a man so that we, every part of that, could walk in wholeness, in health, in longevity, and be above and not beneath. That is our heritage. Now, as long as we don't partake, we won't receive. But today, we partake, don't we? So we come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. So when you recognize you're in the twilight, stop and recognize it's not a place of victory. Stop and declare, even if nothing changes, that I'm an overcomer, and this is a victory that overcomes every bit of this circumstances. My faith, I believe God, and it's done unto me by the word of God, what God's word says to me. I refuse to cave in. I refuse to sit down. I refuse to quit. For I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. My God is greater than any report. My God is greater than any lack. My God never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He's always for me. He's never against me. I refuse to go and walk with the enemy. For my God said this, and I believe I receive it now. And then just don't get off your stance. Just keep going forward with God. God's disposed to show favor. Why would, you know, why would you pay a tremendous price for something and then keep somebody from getting the benefit of it? That doesn't make any sense, does it? Just think if you 
went ahead and gave somebody a million dollars and you provided this and provided that and they sat down and said, well, you know, maybe one day. Just think of when you give somebody a present and they don't want to open it. It's like, don't you want to open it? Oh, no, I'll wait till later. Yeah, but I bought you a present. Don't you want to see it? You're excited about them partaking in the grace that you're giving them and they won't participate. Isn't that a disappointment? Can you think how God feels about that? His son, he sent his son. I could hear that conversation going between God and the father and, and God the father says to the son, son, I want you to go to earth. And he's going, to earth? Ooh, it's kind of stinky down there, isn't it, Lord? <laughs> you know? Yet, he, he gave it all up and he went through three days and three nights without communication with somebody he had ever communicated since the beginning of time. Can you imagine what it was like to be shut off from the voice of God and have God not be able to look because of all the sin? Ooh, that price that he paid was far above just what he, what he endured at the cross. And so why would we ever think God would say, no, not now, wait a little while, or no, it's not for you? When he says, my son paid for it, rise up and receive what I have for you. Well, Father, we thank you and we praise you for the word today. I thank you, Lord, it does not return to you void. It accomplishes that which you please, and it prospers in the thing that you sent it to do. I thank you, Father, that we will not be, be leaving the same way we came today. And we take the shield. We are taking the shield of faith. Above all, we are taking the shield of faith today. I thank you, Father, for revelation, knowledge of your word, that you will quicken to each one of us that word that needs to be quickened to us, that we will hear your voice. And I thank you, a stranger's voice we don't follow. I thank you, gone are the days of being fooled by the devil because we walk in the light. And as he is, so are we in this world. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. And we just rise up to take our place. And we declare they will not be defeated. We will not be trampled over. We are going to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Father, your word is our will in our lives. We desire the things of you and we just ask you for wisdom today. We believe we receive it at the amen. And we're asking you, Father, we're just asking you for abundant life above and beyond what we have that we would see and we would do at a higher level, that we would be all about bringing you glory by completing the task that you've given us. We're thanking you for healing us, for setting us free, that this turns today in every single person's life, every need that they have, that it turns in the name of Jesus. And we declare that Jesus is Lord over each and every situation, Father. I speak to every disease in the name of Jesus. I speak to every weakness. I speak to the, the spirit of infirmity and command it to go right now in the name of Jesus. I speak to lungs and command them to breathe. Everything that God did not plant in the name of Jesus, I call you to not. You're cursed at the root. Command it to be removed. Get out, shrivel up, die, and be replaced by life God breathed life 
cells in the name of Jesus. Rebellious cells in the name of Jesus, I'm speaking to you. You have no authority, no more authority, no more life here in Jesus' name. You are cursed at the root and commanded, gross. You're cursed and commanded to fall off in Jesus' name. Your life supply has been stopped. And I apply the blood of Jesus to every one of those circumstances. I thank you, Father, for life and energy, for life more abundant. Yeah, I come against oppression and depression in the name of Jesus. You foul thing, you get out in Jesus' name. I loose the power of the Holy Spirit in this place. And I thank you, Father. I praise you, Lord. Yeah, I speak to knees in Jesus' name. Knees, you listen up. You're God created. You line up with the word of God. You be healed in the name of Jesus. Legs and feet, you be healed. I speak to Dima, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Pain, listen to me, get out. You cease and desist. In every source, I apply the blood of Jesus. Every source of that pain, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for renewing, regenerating. Father, I thank you for whew, those who have seen a couple of years already that need more energy and more life in them. Father, stir up. Stir up. Well, actually, we stir up the giftings in us, Lord. We thank you for that. You said the stir up that which is in you. So we stir it up, and we thank you as we stir it up that you add to us what we need to have in order to be energized, in order to walk and do the things you've called us to do. Father, I thank you that as we go, that that healing power of God is released in us. We meet the needs of others, but as we're meeting those needs, I thank you, Father, that healing power flows through us, kicking out everything that is not of you. I just thank you that we're just not leaving the same way we came. But we acknowledge you. I thank you that you direct our steps, and we declare that we are healed this day and that Jesus is Lord in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll-free at 866 866- 383-8277 You are Lord, I'm a sinner.